Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I'm here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Okay, we are going to solve all of your potty training <laughs> all questions. Of and there are many. There are so <laughs> many questions we've gotten about potty training, and they inspired this episode. We have a really great interview guest we're going to talk about in just a minute. Um, but basically, we realized there's a huge demand for this information, and we had to address it. There really is. And I'm excited to talk about um, our sponsor for this episode. So this is the, the entire episode is sponsored by um, Pull Ups and Good Nights. And I'm a huge fan of both products. I've used them both. If you guys aren't familiar, um, Pull Ups are training pants that are designed to look and fit like underwear. They really provide like a lot of protection, but also are kind of helping your kids learn those potty training skills. And Good Nights pull on and off like Pull Ups, but they're actually bedtime pants. So they're meant to be worn um, overnight for young kids or even older kids who are still wetting the bed at night. And I love also that Good Nights has a lot of tips and advice on nighttime wetting um, because that's something that a lot of parents struggle with as we found out when we put out the call for oh, yeah. questions. It was one of the most common questions we got. Yeah. And, um, our guest, Dr. Heather, does such a good job of dispelling a lot of myths about that yes. and just reducing a lot of anxiety. So, yeah. We Thanks. got so many questions, you guys. So many questions. And here's kind of something <laughs> funny. Like, I think going into this, you and I, Megan, we're both kind of like, well, we've potty trained eight kids between us. We survived. Like, how, right. not how hard can it be? But like, I think we forgot how many specific, we amnesia. a little bit of amnesia yeah. and how many really unique and specific things come up. And even with our eight kids, we hadn't dealt with all of these things. So no. as the questions started coming in, I noticed they really fell into kind of some core categories. There's a lot of questions about poop. I'll just spoiler alert. Yeah. There's a lot of kids Lots. holding their poop or afraid to poop in the potty out there. A lot of questions about the nighttime dryness, a lot of questions about regression and accidents. And so as they came in, we are realizing like, thank goodness we have an expert for this because, you know, it's great to have like mom who's been there advice. And then I think sometimes it's really helpful to have an expert, don't you? I totally agree. And Dr. Heather had so many, had so much great, um, she's just so gentle about it and like, and so reassuring and had some really specific, great uh, reasons why, like what's going on with your, your kids at a developmental level on a biochemical level. There were things yes. that I did not realize are happening inside their bodies that may be not allowing them to wake up at night to use the bathroom, for yes. example. And there's some psychological things, like some developmental things 
that might explain why they don't want to poop in the potty. So it's right. just a great, fascinating conversation. You guys are going to be armed with a comeback for your mother-in-law who tells you that <laughs> all of her kids were potty trained by 18 months. Exactly. <laughs> so let me tell you guys a little bit about Dr. Heather. It's Dr. Heather Wittenberg is her full name. She's a licensed child psychologist with more than 20 years of experience. She specializes in development of babies, toddlers, and preschoolers. So hello, right in this range we're talking about with potty training. Um, she's written a great book called Let's Get This Potty Started, The Baby Shrink's Guide to Potty Training Your Toddler, and she's the founder of babyshrink.org, which is her parenting advice website. She lives in Hawaii. We had fun uh, before we recorded talking Talking about the weather about that. And she (laughs) has four kids, guys. So she has been through this as well. Um, And like you said, Megan, I really appreciated about our conversation that she came from this place really of like empathy and respect for the child, which is kind of like kind of my parenting style too, um, that really kind of watching their cues and letting them lead the way. And we get so nervous about potty training. We sometimes forget that. And we think we need to impose these like external rules on them. And so it was so reassuring. I thought it really was reassuring. We should also mention that Dr. Heather is a spokesperson for good nights and for pull-ups. And um, I've worked with them in the past. And I, one thing I really love is that on their Facebook pages and on their website, there's lots of information. So you can go there and find out stuff you know, beyond just the products they sell, you can find out a lot of information about how to help your kid wherever, whatever stage they're in and kind of why things are going the way they are. And um, on their social media in particular, I know Dr. Heather is very active. So that's also a, a great resource yep. and a great place to check out just in case we didn't make it to some of the questions you guys sent in because there were dozens. There were so many. Yeah. And all of that, if you forget, will be at themomhour.com. And we'll remind you at the end of this show too, where to find out more about Dr. Heather and pull-ups and good night. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. 
She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hi, Dr. Heather. Welcome to the Mom Hour. We're so glad to have you. Welcome. So glad to be here. Thank you. Well, we have some very eager listeners out there who are excited to get your input on all things potty training. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into our first listener question. And it comes from a mom named Elizabeth. And she's really asking about something that everybody with a toddler thinks about, which is readiness and kind of what to look for. And she's, we're going to play her question. She's going to talk about what she's seeing in her 22 month old. Hi, Dr. Heather. My name is Elizabeth from Southern Wisconsin. I have a 22 month old and I'm a first time mom. Um, He has recently started showing lots of interest in the potty. He likes to be in the bathroom when we're using the potty, throwing toilet paper in is fun for him. And he even has started standing up in the bathtub right before he needs to pee Um, I've been encouraging all this, but now I'm worried that I'm actually just encouraging bad habits. My question for you is how can I support his wanting to use the potty and knowing when to go without actually encouraging the bad habits like peeing in the bathtub? Thanks for your help. I look forward to hearing your answer. So first of all, it's super exciting that he is actually showing signs of readiness. He's showing you that he's interested and he wants to learn. So the next time he stands up to go in the tub, you want to take it as like a learning opportunity and say, hey, you know, next time, why don't we try to put that in the potty because it belongs in the potty. And so it's more of an encouraging thing and a learning thing. And you want to just kind of keep observing his readiness signs and go along with him, walk together with him on this potty learning journey um, and not think about forcing it before he's ready. I really like that too, because I think she was maybe worried about sending the wrong message. Like it was okay to pee in the tub. And I can see how that would be a little confusing. We're, we're being positive about the readiness, but at the same time, he's standing up to pee in the tub every night, you know? (laughs) And a lot of them do that for a long time. Yeah. so. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is kind of show him what he is doing or point out what he's doing, which is figuring out that this feels different. I'm going to stand up but don't make a big deal of, you know, telling him no, if he accidentally does it or whatever. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. And if you're stressed about the pee in the tub, you can say, if there's pee in the tub, I'm going to let the water drain out. We're going to put fresh water in. And next time you can pee in the potty and let's try it that way. So some parents, you know, ignore it and some parents worry about it. So, you know, you can go ahead and put clean water in or whatever you prefer. Yeah. I like that. And I think that you know, we talk about a lot of stuff when we talk about bad habits. I'm putting those in air quotes, my famous air quotes right now, because, <laughs> you know, kids aren't going to grow up and be seven, eight years old and still just standing in the in the tub and peeing, most likely. So <laughs> maybe exactly. they will. I don't know. But I think that most kids like figure out at some point where the right place to go is. So it's all a progress a process. Um, well, the the habit thing is really interesting because parents do worry about that. And I have to 
to remind myself and remind them that a habit really isn't a habit until it's a habit. For children who are practicing stuff, that's how they learn. Mm -hmm. So that's not what we would call a bad habit. Right. That's more learning thing. And she can keep it positive without worrying. She's somehow enforcing this idea that you pee in the tub. So I, I I like that. Dr. Heather, I have a question. And I know this is something I dealt with a lot when, um, when my oldest were, were young was like hearing from the, I'll say the elder relatives in my family. And there was always this like waxing nostalgic about when their babies were little and how it seems like everybody was potty trained at like 18 months in the seventies, like sixties and seventies. Yes. And I'm wondering how, how much of that, you know, what is the range we're looking for when we're talking about readiness? Has that age really changed or is this some, um, maybe some memory, some memory, uh, remembering going back. That's not quite accurate. You have to go back in time and remember that our parents and grandparents did not have access to the snazzy, reasonably priced disposable products that we have today. And so they had a lot of pressure to really get their kids um, potty trained quickly. And there was a lot of pressure put on it. And also moms were home full-time by and large and had time to sort of press the issue and there was a lot more pressure and even some shame involved. And um, parents tend to sort of, and grandparents tend to remember things in a little bit more sunny light. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. when you really ask, it's like, well, you know, you still had to actually wear something at night for a long time. Right. And, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, it's the details are a little bit fuzzy there. So yeah, the right. pressure, it, it's like a sort of competitive parental grandparent thing thing. And you just have to yeah. kind of smile and nod and say, yeah, this is how we're doing it now. I love yeah. That. I like that. And, and also it kind of goes to show you that earlier is not always better and getting to a milestone sooner isn't necessarily the ideal. I think that that pressure can really come from other generations before us, but that doesn't mean it's better if everyone was stressed out about it or whatever. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean it's well, ideal. We do know that the, we do know that there can, it can really backfire to pressure um, potty training too too soon, and we see a really increased incidence of constipation and mm-hmm. all sorts of other mm-hmm. problems. And so, it isn't better to push to do it early. If your child is ready earlier, there's a, a real range in age of readiness, and that's totally good and normal and fine. But if there's a pressure before your child's ready, we do know that that can cause problems. That's do great. you do you have an age range in mind where if someone was telling you, "I think my you know my toddler is ready," you'd be thinking to yourself, "Probably not." Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, is there a, a yacht? Like, where is your range in your mind? You know, there's really so much more about potty training than just sitting down and going in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if somebody's saying like, you know, my toddler who can barely even walk around yet is ready. You know, I would wonder about that. They don't even have the skills to sort of physically do all this stuff. Right. But there is such an incredible range that you really just have to watch your individual child. Um, there are so many... Uh, variations and so many different personalities. So your child is, you know, uh, one of several personalities and potty personalities. And I worked with pull-ups on developing and honing in on what's your child's potty personality. So children who are children who are nervous and shy, you know, and don't like change are going to learn a lot more cautiously then children who are really enthusiastic and outgoing and really gung ho about everything. And so learning about your child's individual uh, learning patterns and personality, that is really where it's at. And that's how you'll find the right time to start with your child. 
That makes so much sense because we, we allow for our kids to be individuals with everything, but I feel like potty training is expected to look the same for right. all kids and follow this, this progression that's totally predictable. And that doesn't make sense. But like we say, they're all different about everything else. So there's a yeah. really weird competitive factor that comes into play somehow with parents and not mm -hmm. with children, but with parents. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, it really is an individual journey and it really has to do so much with hooking up, you know, the neurological components to the bladder and to all, you know, it's like, you can't push that, um, right. but you really yeah. can push hard and then, and then cause problems. So um, it, it really does need to be an individual process and lots of backsliding and lots of setbacks. That's totally yeah. normal. Um, totally well, part of the process. That's a great segue into our next question, which I think is probably going to play into this idea of their, you know, the backsliding is normal and also everyone has a different potty personality. So this question comes from Kristen and she's talking about something that I think also most parents have dealt with, which is you think they're there and then they regress. So we'll listen to Kristen's question. Hi, Dr. Heather. My name is Kristen from Iowa. My question is about regression. My oldest turned two in October and she started potty training at daycare with the slightly older girls. She did great for the first couple of weeks, probably because it was new and exciting for her. But now she kicks and screams when we take her to the potty. She's only interested in using the potty when it's her idea. She was wearing real underwear at home and in the in-home sitter's house during the day. She wants to wear them, but she refuses to use the potty and is having accidents. So daycare started using pull-ups. Are the pull-ups causing the backslide? So I'm so glad you asked this question because there really is a lot of confusion and, uh, you know, about do, uh, would, would using pull-ups cause any sort of backsliding? And actually the opposite is true. So the pull-ups are designed to help learn the potty training skills, the physical, the cognitive, the emotional, and giving you consistency. So it's not just about the product. It's about your child learning to be independent and learning to slide their pants off and on by themselves, just like they're eventually going to slide their underwear off and on by themselves and really learning all along the way. So the setbacks are normal. The setbacks are not caused by whatever potty training products you're using and no two kids are the same. So again, that, that, Potty personality is so important. What is your child's individual unique personality like? How are they going to learn best? And so working with pull-ups all these years, we developed some really interesting um, personalities based on infant and toddler temperament research that I've been studying for years. And it's amazing how it boils down into these five different potty training personalities that we turned into the puppy and the owl and the bear cub, the turtle, and the squirrel. And you're going to find your child fits into one of these personality categories. And we've got potty training tips to give you based on whatever your child's potty personality actually is. So I've got like sort of one of each of all my four children. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> I want to go retroactively figure out which ones yes, me mine too. are. They're so, the names are so cute too. And I could just see how much that would help. I mean, by the time, you know, by the time you have a toddler, you do know your baby's personality pretty well, but to then, you know, be able to kind of apply that to a potty training approach is so smart. 
Well, the the personalities persist into childhood and adulthood, really. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, these are personality types and they really are pretty consistent over time. It's kind of amazing to to watch. So with this regression um, and Kristen's question, is the approach to regression kind of similar to the approach to initially potty training, which is keeping it positive, understanding it's, you know, really normal developmentally? What else do you see about regression in particular? Well, in, in, in response to the particular question, you know, I would say that it sounds like Kristen may have a little bear cub body personality (laughs) on her hands. And, you know, if you think about little bear cubs, they're likely to be sort of curious and excited and really into it at first. And, and then maybe kind of lose interest and wander off to (laughs) something else that's fun or exciting. And um, so, you know, you, you want to weave lots of fun into the process and remind yourself that she's going to do it. And you just have to kind of say, Hey, remember, remember about the, Hey, remember about the potty? Let's do this fun thing over here that you really enjoyed yesterday. Let's, let's try that again. And so that you, you've got that footloose and fancy free sort of personality and she'll eventually get there. Um, She's just not going to do it in a straight line. Yeah. Well, I love that because yeah, if the whole reason that your little one is interested in the potty is that it's new and novel. And then you switch right into just like old hat, boring taskmaster mode. They're not going to stay engaged and interested if you get there too fast. That's really smart. And you also have to remember that children, you know, we're thinking, oh, you're supposed to learn things in order. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do stuff in a straight line. First A and then B and then C and then you're done. Like they could care less. <laughs> They're going to go around and around and learn in all different meandering routes they have no internal sort of cognitive pressure to do it your way. They could care less. They, but, but remember that they do want to learn to be a big kid. They're driven internally to grow and to develop more skills and to master these things and to be more like a big kid. So you don't have to feel like you have to make them want to do this. Mm, I love that. That, that is so good. And I was going to ask, since she asked about pull-ups specifically, um, once pull-ups, once pull-ups have been useful, like you said, kind of helping them understand the pulling down and pulling up. And once they're doing really well, do you have any tips for kind of transitioning from pull-ups to traditional undies? I know some parents worry, well, then it's going to feel different. So it's not quite the same. Do you have any tips for that? Well, it's really amazing how consistent it is based on personality type, okay. body personality type, because it's like, your little turtle really does not like the change in feeling. Uh-huh. Mm. Does not want things to change. I have one and of those. say, right, right. Or say, you know, your puppy is like, I'm totally into it. Let's go for it. And never looks back. Interesting. So interesting. All right. I've got So a- depending on what you've got, you're going to approach it, it differently. Totally. I, I've got to go back and reverse reverse identify. I know I'm going to do that too. We're totally going to do it. (laughs) Um, Well, let's move on to our next question. It comes from Jennifer um, and she has a question about her four-year-old and accidents. So we will play that question now. Hi, Dr. Heather. This is Jennifer from New Jersey. Um, So my question is about my almost four-year-old son and he's been trained for just about a full year, but he still has a pee accident almost every day. Not a full accident. He just doesn't make it to the potty on time. He started lying about it. He says, I spilled water on me. We do try to remind him to go, but he always insists he doesn't have to. We sometimes force him if we're going to be out of the house for a long time, but he always cries about it. 
Um, we've tried bribing him. We've tried just letting it go. I don't want to push too hard because I'm afraid I'm going to give him a complex about it. But on the other hand, it's been almost a full year where he's been mostly trained. He's still having these accidents every day. Um, any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good time to talk about one of the most frustrating aspects of potty training, which I totally get, which is that you've got what you think is a fully potty trained kiddo on your hands for a few weeks, and then you've got setbacks. And it's so common. Do not think there's something wrong with your child or with you as a parent. This is so typical. And, and you and he will get back on track. Um, so, of course, you want to make sure there's nothing wrong medically. You always want to work hand in hand with your pediatrician to make sure there's nothing medically wrong that's going on that can, you know, sort of interfere. Um, but barring that, you just really want to get back to the basics and talk about, oh, yeah, you know, let's let's review, you know, like, remember, this is, you know, if you want to if you want to go potty, OK, maybe you, you know, you you had a setback here and let's next time try to go to the potty and let me sort of go over it with you again. And, and if they're resistant, the thing that's so interesting about toddlers is you kind of have to go with the resistance. You kind of have to say your psychology thing, like, oh, you don't, you don't want to go in the potty. That's totally fine. We're going to take a break and we're not going to do it at all and, and take the pressure off. And then their own internal desire to be a big kid is going to then sort of emerge again. Like I was saying, they are internally driven to do this. So, you know, when you're ready, you'll let me know. And when they don't feel the pressure from the outside, they can feel that their own internal desire to actually do it and sort of get back out there and go for it again. So that's why the shame and the pressure and all that really is counterproductive, because if you're just sort of accepting and reminding them like, hey, you know, here's the potty, you know, why don't you go with dad and we can try it again. But if not, OK, you're taking a break. And then they feel like they can lead the process that's going to work a lot better. And would that break entail going back into pull-ups, diapers? Like what would that break actually look like for a kid who's just really struggling with accidents? Well, what I would say is I would use the pull-ups because I would say, listen, I know you're um, right now, you're not focused on this. And the doctor says you're fine and that's totally fine. And we're going to take a little break and the pull-ups will help so that we don't have to worry about, you know, wet clothes or wet car seat or whatever. And we're just going to use these until you feel like you're ready to, you know, sort of try again. Or if he's, you know, interested, you can say, we're going to, you know, we're going to try again using the potty with your pull-ups or, you know, experiment with different things. But there's no harm in going back to using the pull-ups because so much of this is about minimizing parental stress. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're thinking, oh my gosh, he's supposed to be dry and we're going to go in the yeah. car seat and he's going to get, you know, pee up the car seat and I have to clean that thing out again. And I, it's just give yourself a break, you know, bring a few pull-ups with you when you're going out or whatever. It's like, that is not going to cause any problems or delay anything. That's just going to decrease your stress. We are all and about, that is huge. <laughs> we are we all, all about, about reducing mom's stress. That is like the point of this show. But the other thing I love that I'm hearing you say is if you have a strong-willed child, we, anyone with a strong-willed child knows how almost impossible it is to meet defiance with defiance. I mean, it's just they, a three-year-old could win that battle almost every time. So I love hearing the option for parents who feel that's right for them to say, okay, I'm going to go with you on this one. And just what a relief that is for the kid and the parent. 
Well, and if parents can just kind of step back for a second and marvel at the really miraculous nature of toddlers, you know, it's like a year ago, they were this helpless bundle that couldn't walk or talk or do anything. And it's like now they're running around and they're talking and they're doing all these things and they're learning all these things. And they're just overwhelmed with all these amazing new skills. And if that was happening to us, we would be so scattered. We (laughs) would be so all over the place. We would be like an emotional wreck. Like, yeah, that's so true. There's so much. It's amazing. It all comes together in potty training because it's the cognitive, it's the physical, it's the emotional, like it all comes together there. That's why there's always so much interest in potty training for parents. And what I was going to say is sometimes I think, you know, there's the the kids who aren't making it to the potty on time because, man, whatever is happening in their brains is just short circuiting or for whatever reason, they're just they're not always able to do that. But then you've got the kids. And I'm really curious where you think this which personality this is, because I've seen this play out in older kids like five, six, seven, eight, even um, where they just don't want to stop what they're doing. So they will dance. They're the ones who are dancing yeah. around. And I'm wondering, is that the same approach? Is it, is there a way that, because it almost doesn't seem like a pottying issue. It's more like a, they can't divert their focus issue. Do you think the solution yeah. is the same? Well, so, you know, if you're talking about, you know, maybe a squirrel who is, who is <laughs> just so into whatever game it is or running around or whatever it is they're doing. And they just, they're not paying attention to that tiny little feeling inside their body that says, I got to go now because they're so on the run that the physical signals aren't totally clear yet. Right. And so that's where the parent can step in and be like, oh, let me look at my watch here. It's been a couple hours. Let's, let me remind you, come on, let's, you know, or you give them a warning in two minutes, we're going to go do a quick potty run who, you know, let me race you who can get there faster kind of thing. And that's how you're going to work with, uh, you're, you're running around squirrel potty personality because just because they're dancing around and it and you can tell they have to go they don't necessarily know that they have to go <laughs> it's like their body right isn't connecting is that kind of that makes so much sense yeah um we've actually had a few questions from moms about wiping issues and you know when they go to do the laundry they they've got maybe a four or five six-year-old someone who's been potty trained for a while but there's poop in their underwear and Sometimes they don't know if those are accidents, if they just haven't gotten wiping together yet. Does it matter? Is there a way to tell? Well, so that is so common. And there are a couple different things that could be going on there. First of all, the wiping thing is really complicated just from a physical point of view. Yeah, like it's it really is. hard to do right. that. I, I still help my five-year-old. I mean, she still wants me. And I have totally. thought about that. It's like she would almost fall off. I mean, it's really, yeah. it is actually coordinating. It's hard for her yes. to coordinate that. And I could use assistance. At yes. time, so I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It, it, it is really hard to do correctly. And we just sort of expect them, like you show them a couple times and they should know. No, it is really common for it to be a couple years easy for the parents to have to come in and spot that process. Like, okay, good job. You do three and then I'll finish up or you do four now. Mm. And then now check, check and see. And how do you make sure that it doesn't end up on the floor? Like there's so (laughs) many different, you know, permutations there that you have to contend with. So that's one thing. The actual mechanical wiping part is hard. The second part is that uh, the, the little bits of poop that escape 
uh, that way for slightly older children, that can really be a telltale sign of constipation. Uh. Weirdly, um, when they get all backed up like that, um, sometimes little bits kind of escape and they're not sensing when they need to go because they've kind of mentally shut that off. That makes so much sense. Um, Because it's like constipation really hurts little bums, especially like really a lot. It hurts. So they're going to clamp down and try to make that feeling go away. Mm. And the feeling does go away, which is the bad part. It goes away. So they don't then know when they have to go. And then little bits seep out like that. And that is when you can have a really painful, difficult problem on your hands. So I really, you know, want to emphasize this message to all parents out there to really watch out for signs of constipation in your child. And even if your child is pooping every day, it may not be enough. And little by little, it builds up each day. And then pretty soon you've got a ton of poop stuck in there, interfering with all the signals and stuff. And then you're, you're, you've got all sorts of setbacks and all sorts of problems. So you want to make sure they're pooping. This, this is the rule of thumb, so to speak. This is like the gross part of the discussion, but it's okay. you want to make sure they're pooping the equivalent of like a small size banana each day. Okay. Like you want to make sure that much is coming out of them each day. Not just like, oh, I pooped, I'm done. And you look and it's like this little, no, if it, if that's, if that amount isn't coming out every day, they're getting backed up and they're going to have problems down the line. So really now watch if, out for if, that. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. 
Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. If they suspect that they are getting backed up, is, is it time to call the pediatrician? Is, it, is that something you should get help with? It depends on how far along it is. Like all okay. of us should be really paying attention to this, paying attention to what they eat, you know, especially those kiddos that only have that fabulous, not white diet, you know, yeah. like all the, you really want to make sure they're hydrated. You really want to look at their nutrition and fruits and veggies and all that and look at their poop, make yeah. sure they're pooping enough and don't just turn your back to it because they're done. Now, if it's at the point where you're thinking that they're accidentally pooping in their pants and they're at this point where they can't keep it in, you definitely need to work with your pediatrician for how to get them cleaned out and talk to them about, you know, once we get all this extra poop out of you, then we're going to go back to, okay, what does it feel like? Mm -hmm. Because the sensations will start to return, but it will be a while. Yeah. That's great to know. Thank you. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. I think this is one, one of the biggest misconceptions I think that I've seen um, from parents is not understanding the difference between potty training and getting through the night, um, all the way through the night consistently. And those are two very different things. So our question is from Amanda and she um, left us a message about her six-year-old who is having a hard time getting through the night drive, even though he has been um, potty trained since he was three. Hi, Dr. Heather. This is Amanda from New York City. I have two sons, ages six and three and a half. My question is about my six-year-old and nighttime. He has been uh, totally fine during the day as far as potty training since he was like three years old, but he just cannot seem to make it through the night dry. Maybe from time to time he can, but for the most part, not. And he, when we talk about it, he he genuinely can't seem to hold it or to know when to wake up to go to the bathroom. So after far too many nights of changing sheets in the middle of the night and waking up wet and having us all, you know, have a bad night's sleep, we just went ahead and put him back into pull-ups. It had been a couple of months that he'd been out. So my question is this, given that he's six, um, is this okay just to leave him in pull-ups for a little bit longer? Or is there you know, a time where this is really starting to do him a disservice. And, um, you know, if so, what should I be doing about it? What type of, of help should I be seeking for him? Um, and I'll note that my three-year-old can, he can hold it and sleep through the night totally dry. So thank you for any advice. I am so glad to have the opportunity to answer this question because this is not only incredibly common, but also, my own experience with two out of my four kiddos who experienced this, I cannot tell you how relieved I was personally to be searching the shelves and to find Goodnight's bedtime pants for these two of my kids because they really needed it. And I'll tell you, parents need to know that nighttime dryness is a completely different process than potty training. Okay, potty training is daytime. Potty training is daytime skills and control and learning how to use the potty. But when you think about it, when you're asleep, you, you're not doing any of that right. stuff. You're just holding right. it. Yeah. And that whole system does not come online until it's ready to. It really varies from child to child. And we think it's very genetic. 
there's a whole process that doesn't kick in until it does. And once it does, you, you'll just be like, wow, they, they don't pee so much at night anymore. I know for myself, I, I was really frustrated. I had um, one child in particular who took a really long time and I would get sort of feedback from other parents and relatives and well-meaning people that kind of put a lot of guilt and shame into that. And at some point it just occurred to me, like nobody wants to wet the bed. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So nobody wants to do that. It's not a behavioral, um, it's not a behavioral thing really. Not, and it's I think, not a laziness thing. No. It's not about and them being lazy. So much of what parents are told is like to approach it behave like you would with something when they're awake, but they're not awake. It's just so different. Exactly. So what is happening? Is it is it a developmental thing where their brain isn't getting the signal to wake up? And that's why like I know there's a lot that goes on and I know for myself, like I, when I have to go to the bathroom and I'm asleep, I have crazy dreams about going to the bathroom. Like there's <laughs> yeah. like a lot neurologically going on. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what that, like, if we could kind of even talk a little bit about what that is yeah. that's happening when, and, okay, and this so, could go on for several years. Yeah, right? I, wa like this, I wanted you guys yeah. to put some age parameters on this. Cause I think for our, our listeners who have little tiny ones, we're saying, oh, it takes a while. And they're thinking like three and a half or four, but we're talking about much older than that for some kids, just just um, developmentally, right? Yeah. So there's actually a developmental brain process that evolves in each kid in its own time. And so it's actually a hormone that comes online that causes you to, to produce less urine at night. Hmm. Okay. And that doesn't click on for some kids until seven, eight, nine, basically from the age of three or so, it's a few percent per year that will eventually grow into this. And it is completely biological. It's completely in the brain because that's why parents say, oh my gosh, no matter what I do, they mm -hmm. are peeing so much at night. What is going yeah. on? It's not anything that anybody's doing. It's just that the brain is not producing this hormone yet. It's not online yet. And so that's just how it is. And then suddenly it's like the spigot is turned off and they don't have to pee that much at night anymore and they can hold it until morning and you can't force that. And that's why you see it running in families because this is thought to be very much a genetic thing. That's very much a brain development thing that you can't force. You can't talk them into, you can't reward them you know, for doing this, it, none of that will work because it is totally about the development of this hormone that comes online and nothing's going to happen until then. So, um, it's, it's really, uh, it breaks my heart when I hear about, you know, kids getting pressured, you know, and shamed about this because they're really doing their best. And like you said, nobody wants to wake up in a wet bed. Right. Nobody does. And I found for myself with, um, with my kids that struggled with this when I, when we did start using good nights, bedtime, when we started using good nights, bedtime pants, like my stress level went down, their stress level went down. The mornings were better. It just was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I don't know why. Right. You know, like it just was such a, a gift to myself to have a, I don't know, like just a more restful night for them. And then, and then me not have to worry about sheets and like getting mad in the morning, you know, or like getting irritated or stressed about it. So that was totally that was yeah, that is. And if, and if you can let yourself off the hook and just know that we're just handling this until it changes until and it's not a big deal. Exactly. 
Um, I wanted to ask something about the good night's bedtime pants and a couple of different questions we got talked about. And I'm going back a little bit to the younger, maybe the three and four year olds who kind of got wise to the fact that they got to wear some kind of bedtime pants at night and then they were in underwear during the day. And so they'd game the system a little bit and wait and do their business either right right before bed or right when they woke up. I was wondering if you've seen um, good ways to have a routine about that so that kids who are in bedtime pants at night, but in undies during the day have a real, um, I don't know, maybe a routine or a structure around that so that I remember some of my kids coming down in their, in their bedtime pants in the morning and just kind of, I'd forget and an hour and a half later, they were still wearing them. And I thought, Ooh, I, I'd really rather them in undies. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like there's this kind of overlap that parents have to deal with. No, having a routine is great yeah. because it's all about the child learning the skill of being a big kid. And so when you wake up in the morning and what do you do with your good nights if they're wet and how do you handle it? And then getting changed and getting cleaned up and, you know, the whole process of, and then, and then nighttime routines getting into bed and it's, you know, we're going to brush our teeth. We're going to get into our good nights pants and we're going to read a story and we're going to snuggle and we're going to, you know, this is, this becomes part of the routine for kiddos and I'm doing what I need to do. And meanwhile, I'm learning all these other skills. So it's very grounding. Yeah, I like that. And I, it, it seems like, too, if they were feeling successful about their potty training during the day, there really wouldn't be any confusion about it. It would just be this is what we do at night. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that said, nighttime is a time of regression in general because mm. it's dark and because you go to sleep and sleep is such a weird concept particularly for a little child. Like we don't understand what sleep is very well. How should a three-year-old? Right. So, you know, whatever we can do to reassure them and ground them um, as they go to bed really helps. And then that really shines a light on why it's so difficult to think that a three-year-old should wake themselves up in the middle of the night when it's dark and probably cold and they're supposed to get themselves in the dark to the bathroom, turn on the light, do all this stuff. It's asking way too much right. for most little kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally That's too scary. that. Well, this leads right into our final question. Um, and I have to say, when we asked for questions, Megan, wouldn't you say the probably the number one most popular question after nighttime dryness was um, holding poop in and being afraid yes. to poop. So yep. we're going to listen to Emily's question and, you know, she has some specific things, but also Dr. Heather, you can just keep in mind that we got probably 30 other questions all in the vein yeah. of being trained for pee, but afraid or unwilling to poop. So let's, we'll listen to Emily's question, but then I'd love to even broaden that just to that general topic. So let's play that now. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Heather. This is Emily from Indiana. I have a question about my three-year-old daughter. She's been potty trained during the day for a few months now, but we are still having some problems with poop. She will hold her poop until it's time to put on a diaper at nighttime. And I know she's capable of going in the toilet because when we first began potty training, she went in the potty chair several times, but it seemed like the more she pooped in the potty chair, the more scared she became. She started telling us how scared she was of pooping and how she didn't want to poop anymore. And she began holding it. And so now when we put a diaper on her at nighttime, she runs into the bathroom. She sits on the toilet in her diaper, poops in her diaper. We change her and she goes to bed. And I just, I don't know how to break the habit now because she acts so scared when we take the diaper off and try doing it that way. So if you have any advice on how to help her overcome this fear of pooping on the toilet, my husband and I would greatly appreciate it. 
Thank you. No, this is this is not strange at all. This is not uncommon at all. Like we were discussing earlier, this is super common. And learning gradually and kind of adding to their skills gradually, you know, sometimes some toddlers even learn to poop first and won't pee in the potty. Like it's really individual. It depends on their potty personality. Um, it's super common. Um, now, when you get down into the nitty gritty, so to speak, you know, the, the, the fact that your kiddo has been pooping into a diaper their whole life, it feels a certain way. And to certain kiddos, particularly like a turtle personality, that matters a lot. And if the sensations are different and changing, that really throws them off. And that's their personality and that's their temperament, which means very much they were born that way. So they're really sensitive to the changes. And so we have to really respect that it's difficult and it's a big change for a lot of them. Now, patience, of course, is key for that and forcing them will really backfire, like I was saying, and make matters worse because that whole issue of constipation, constipation is really the number one enemy of potty training, and which is surprising to a lot of parents, but it's so painful for little bums to hold in that poop and to have hard poops and to be constipated. And like I said, that's something that really can interfere with the sensations of needing to go. And so if your child is constipated, they're not going to necessarily feel like they have to go. They might maybe going to feel like they don't have to go at all. And then suddenly they can't hold it anymore. And, you know, and, and they've gone. So that's something that is really important to, to be aware of. Um, like we were saying, and if you need the help of your pediatrician, Please don't let that, you know, go on for too long without help. Um, but make sure the diet is healthy. Make sure she's got um, that small banana size amount of poop coming out a day. And it really will help. Yeah, I, I was just thinking back to when I had kids who were um, obviously afraid to poop in the potty. And two of them actually would bring me their diaper and ask me or their pull up and ask me to put it on them so that they could go poop. And then they would do this really funny thing where they would kind of scoot their butt like under a couch or like behind a curtain yeah. <laughs> and poop. And I just ignored it. I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but I figured they knew like, I think on some level they knew that they were supposed to be doing that in the potty. So they kind of wanted to be private, but they didn't, they just weren't ready yet. To put I it, think to there's a, the there, there, there's an interesting sort of natural desire for privacy mm-hmm. that yeah. comes out as well. Um, but the whole thing about pooping in the potty, whether it's a little potty chair or on the actual toilet, that's so weird for children, not only because it feels different, but also because in the mind of your toddler, they're not thinking logically, like I was saying earlier, their, their mind is going like a little sort of fantasy, you know, story, storybook or like a sort of yeah. a dreamland. And so in their mind, they have these, these funny little ideas about what happens to their poop. What is yeah. their poop? Mm-hmm. It's maybe part of them, them and then yes. they flush it away. And yeah. all of these ideas that 
you're not going to be able to say, oh, no, that's just poop. We get rid of it. There's a lot of anxiety about it. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've talked about that on the show before with not with regard to poop, but with with regard to fears and this age. And you're right. It's not there's no using logic to say there's no monsters under the bed. It's not they are not in a logical place. Um, I was just recalling past conversations very similar to that. Um, Yeah, so that's so helpful. Getting inside the mind of your toddler. And trying to really remind yourself how they are seeing the world can really help to sort of, you know, help help us to take a deep breath and step back and say, wow, you know, they're actually doing pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. a lot that they're dealing with and uh, they're doing great. And I think for moms, adjusting this expectation that potty training is something that happens one and done, whether you think of that in a few days or a week or a month, but but understanding that it's normal for it to go in these kind of phases that we've talked about throughout this episode, whether that means regression or just waiting a long time to get ready. But this is like, this is a longer process than a lot of people would like us to believe. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the key fact about nighttime dryness being a completely separate animal from potty training in the daytime, that is something that routinely, when I tell parents that they often will cry with relief to learn that. It is a really powerful insight for people. So I hope that we can share that message today along with everything else we've been talking about. I love it. Um, Dr. Heather, this has been fantastic. Before we wrap up, I just really quickly, we touched, we touched on the turtle and we touched on the bear cub. I would love to hear just a little bit about the other three potty personalities um, so that listeners can kind of identify, maybe like hear their child in one of them. I think that that is really compelling. And might help them think of it in a different way. So what else do we have besides a bear cub who's interested in the world and curious and all that? And we've got the turtle who is what? A little more plotting? Your, no, your turtle is, is more nervous about the world and uh, overwhelmed okay. by all the sensations and, and feelings and is going to really watch from the sidelines until he or she feels comfortable with tackling things. Your turtle's not going to jump in the middle of the playgroup. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. first thing, your turtle's going to hide behind you for quite a while until, you know, she feels more comfortable. Um, your, your puppy is just easygoing and you can encourage her to learn new things and try new things and meet new people. And generally she's willing and happy to go along and to try to please you and, and is generally an easygoing little soul. Um, and the owl is a very cute little one because you, you, you've all known little owls before. They're very interested in rules. And what am I supposed to do? And please tell me exactly what the rules are. And I'm going to follow them step by step. And so to make sure that I and everybody else are doing things exactly the way they're supposed to be done. And, and that little kiddo is going to be really um, encouraged by having steps laid out. Um, and we've talked about this on the website um, for your little owls that, you know, your little steps for encouraging them and little charts and little rewards mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and your squirrel, who I mentioned earlier, is just going to be running around, you know, hanging from the chandeliers and too, too um, excited about running around to stop and uh, take a quick potty break and is really going to need to be um, kept in mind by the parent to say, oh yeah, we've got to stop and calm down a little bit and we're going to take a potty break and then we're going to run and then we're going to, you know, to manage that activity level because they are full of energy. And so they need to be, uh, you know, reminded 
about yeah. these things. That's so fun. And if you go to pullups.com, you'll see that that uh, personality quiz right there on the front page, correct? Yes. There. Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. That is so much fun. I I'm going to take it from I can kids. just say that I have an <laughs> owl, a turtle, and I think maybe a squirrel crossed with like a honey badger that's maybe didn't make it <laughs> onto the quiz. I love <laughs> it. Oh, we're going to have to add in the honey badger. That's so funny. Our listeners yeah. know Our listeners know the personality of my third child. I was thinking Violet when she started talking about the squirrel. Yeah, so, it's like squirrel yeah. with like a, like a honey a badger. Extra. A little honey a little badger extra. extra. <laughs> I love it. All right, Megan, we're coming back to just chat about this conversation a little bit. That was awesome. Yeah, that was so awesome. And thank you to Dr. Heather for that. It was very reassuring. And I learned a lot. And I thought I knew, like, all there was to know about potty training kids, but apparently not. <laughs> and how fun are the potty yeah. personalities? We they really, so We really wanted to go back and figure out our own kids. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really excited about that part because I do think there's lots of articles for those specific types at pull, uh, pull-ups.com. Um, and if you go there, you can take the quiz, like right on the front page, there's a link to the quiz. And then depending on, you know, which personality type your child is, there's articles specifically geared toward different, um, different situations, even like, yes. um, like road trips with the turtle or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I love that because there are so many different specific situations we find ourselves in with potty training kids that um, it's nice to know how to cater that to their personality type. And we know that no two kids are exactly alike. And so this is just kind of a helpful way to kind of, yeah, apply what you know about your toddler's personality to this big daunting thing. And then same with goodnights.com. It's good N-I-T-E-S.com, mm -hmm. that kind of nights. Um, and same thing. There's a ton of resources. If you do have a nighttime wetter or a kid that is older than you thought they'd be to, you know, still not be dry at night, hopefully this episode reassured you, but there's lots of great resources at goodnights.com as well. And you should also check out Dr. Heather at babyshrink.org. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, if you forget all of that, you can always head to themomhour.com for all of these links. We'll have all of the information there. Um, and yeah, we're just really grateful to Pull Ups and Good Nights and Dr. Heather for joining us on this episode. Yep. Thanks. Talk to you guys next time. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.